0: Friends, it is good to be with you this morning, to be able to open God's word together, um, and to know that no matter what we came in these doors carrying, to know that through it all, God is with us. Amen? Amen. Today we're going to hear some words about that from Psalm 13. I've already read some of them. Um, it starts off by saying, how long, <laughs> Oh Lord, how long? I wonder what, how long stories you bring into this room tonight or as you watch online and participate in worship with us through that. I wonder what it means to you when you hear those words. How long? How long? One of the stories that came to mind for me this morning was the birth of my, our firstborn daughter, Emma, um, who is now 11 years old. The story of her birth is an epic one. And I won't have a chance to get into all of it this morning, but I want to share just a little bit of it. She had, a, like all babies, a due date. And that date, uh, we were eagerly anticipating. It's like nine months, right? You, you wait all that time, and you see the signs of, of new life literally being formed. And, and you see in and you, and you, and the excitement and the, the anxiousness and Uh, just the the joy is building and building and building. And so we get closer to the time for the nine months to be up. We get closer to the due date and we had family come in to support us. Uh, Carrie's mom came in. We were living in Chicago at the time. We were seminary students just finishing up there. Um, and, uh, and, and so Carrie's mom, we had looked at the calendar, we had planned, and so her mom came in just, I think it was like a day before the due date or something like that, because we we're like, all right, we want her to, to be here when this thing happens, and she's going to help us all to get through this, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be really so much fun. Well, the day uh, of, of Emma's due date came, and it, it went. And then the next day, came and went, and the next day... Came and went and came and went. And through this whole time, we're just, we're so excited. and We're like, God, oh, we can't wait. Like, how long before this little baby shows up? And every time we'd go back to the, uh, to the, um, what's the, to the doula, to the, um, we, were, we were working with, I'm looking at my wife because I'm forgetting the name of who we were working with. The midwife. Thank you. She's always got my back. We'd go back and see the midwife and we'd check in, like, it seemed like every day. And they'd be like, yep, nothing yet. Yeah, no no more progress yet. And so we'd wait. And <laughs> we'd wait. And we're like, how long is this going to go? And Carrie's mom, God bless her. Thank you, Kathy, for being there through that whole time. Every day they would come up with something new. To do together. And so they explored all these different neighborhoods of Chicago that they, they hadn't before. And, and Carrie explored different things like acupuncture and certain kinds of herbal tea and, I, you know, whatever, all the things, right, all the things that you hear that will help encourage a, a baby to, to make their entrance into the world. None of it worked. And so we're waiting. A day goes by. Another day goes by. Another day goes by. Another midwife appointment. Ah, uh, no, not yet. And at this time in Chicago, this was 11 years ago, the, the midwifery unit was, had a little bit more freedom to allow kind of the, the, the body to do what the body's going to do and, and allowed us the freedom to kind of just wait for Emma to show up. And so we waited. We waited a week past the due date, and then we waited 10 days past the due date, and then we waited two full weeks past the due date, and this whole time, we're like, how long? Lord, how long are we going to wait? How many acupuncture appointments can we go to? How many Chinese food, like, recipes can we try? Like, how many other villages are there to explore in the city of Chicago? Like, we got nothing left. Like, we're waiting. This, like, carries bellies out to here, right? Like, where is this child? And so after two weeks, they told us, okay, that's the, that's, like, you can't wait anymore. It's time to come into the hospital. So we had an appointment to come in on a Friday night, and to begin the, the process of induction. And so they gave Carrie some, some medicine to help kind of that process along Pitocin to, to kind of help the baby recognize, hey, it's, you know, it's time. Like, I know you're comfy in there and everything, but like, it's time. It's time, to, it's time to come out. And so we go through Friday night and like very, 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 very few signs of progress toward active labor. And, and so then we go through uh, all of Saturday. And same thing, just like this, this, like at this point, we had started exploring the hospital, right? We had started walking down corridors and carries, carrying this IV, and we're like just walking around because, you know, walking is help, supposed to help, like help the baby convinced to, to, to come out and to be born. That didn't appear to do anything. We keep taking all these walks. We know all the corridors. We're looking around like people are waving at us, right? Like, oh, yeah, they get, there they go again. Uh, still waiting, still waiting. How long? this is going to be. And we were working with this uh, midwife unit that, again, it was very patient with allowing the body to do what the body is naturally made to do, right? And so we're waiting, and she had taken Pitocin, but that didn't seem to be working, and we talked about some other alternatives, and that didn't really seem to come. She's like, just, just hang on just a little while yet. And so finally, at the end of Saturday, like, we had we'd been waiting, and we'd been waiting, and nothing had happened. We're waiting, and didn't want to go through another night without anything happening but at the same time we want Carrie to be strong enough that when something did start happening she could do the thing that she needs to do right and birth this baby into the world and so the doctor said hey we're just gonna um we're just gonna give you this this little medicine that will help you kind of kind of fall asleep kind of relax it'll just relax your body a little bit and get your get your body ready to have this baby now Carrie hates taking any kind of medicine like she'll have a headache and i'll be like hey here's some ibuprofen she's like what is that I'm like, it, it makes your headache go away. And she's like, I don't need to take that. And so she was reluctant for this course of treatment um, to, to help her body relax. And she took it anyway. And sure enough, uh, it, it didn't go well. Her body had a reaction, actually, to this medicine that was supposed to kind of calm her down and allow her to get some rest and allow the baby to, to think about coming. Um, it, it, actually, the opposite happened. And, and she became really anxious and uh, and. And she couldn't. It was like she couldn't. She couldn't relax. Like she was just. She was in the grip of this anxiety. And and she would try to fall asleep. And she would wake up and look around and 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 look at all of us like, "What are you doing to me? What's going on? You know?" And and we're like, "It's it's okay. Like we're still in the room." And she she go, "Okay, all right." And then she'd kind of drift off to sleep again. And and she'd wake up again and look around and be like, "What? How much time has passed?" And, And the clock's right there, right? But. It had been like two minutes, right? I'm like, you just, you just fell asleep for two minutes. It's going to be okay. And finally, I ended up crawling into bed kind of with her and, and, and just giving her a hug and, and just saying, like, it's, it's going to be okay. We'll wait as long as it takes. And, and that was the thing, it turned out, that, that it took to, for, to allow her body to actually get some, some rest that night. But in the meantime, we wake up, you know, in the morning. We're still waiting, right? Now we're, we're two days at the hospital. We've spent two nights where we didn't get much sleep, Still waiting. For this baby. How long are you gonna be waiting? And so, um, so finally we start to see some signs of, of active labor. We're like, yes! And so Carrie, like, just works through that all day long, and there's, there's contractions, and there's the, of the me, like, trying to be helpful, right? Like, we had been to classes with a doula, and they were like, yeah, you just, you know, put your hands right here on her back, and like, that helps to support, and like, helps make everything right. and I'm like, I don't, like, what, right here? Like, what, and finally the doula's like, just get out of the way, I'll do it, here, right here, and eventually Carrie was like, yeah, let her do it, and I'm like, yeah, okay. So we're still waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and all day long, active labor, like, still pushing, still waiting, still waiting. Nothing is coming. How long is this going to be? And again, working with a doula, working with a the midwifery, uh, they were allowing the body to be patient and wait and carry it, and I had taken classes, and we decided, hey, we're going to do this like the natural way. We're just going to let the body do its thing. We're not going to um, take any, any medicine because, you know, I don't take medicine for a headache, so why would I take medicine for childbirth? And, and so, so we're waiting. We're not, we're not doing the epidural and then we got to a point where we had done these walks through the hospital, right, and we're walking up and down, and I'm noticing something. I'm noticing that through each contraction, through each walk down the hallway, through each each time, each each minute that passes, I'm noticing Carrie is just getting more and more exhausted, right, understandably. It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen um, Lord of the Rings, when when Frodo, like— gets to gets to Mordor and he's like climbing up the mountain, right? He gets up to Mount Doom and like the way that he looks at the very end when he's carrying that way, like his his eyes are bulging out, right? He's like drenched in sweat. He's like, you're not sure if he's going to be able to take one step, much less the number that it's going to take to toss that ring in. Like that's what Carrie in the most beautiful way um, Looks like. And at that point, I'm starting to get concerned, right? Like, here I am, like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to be supportive, I don't know where to put my hands. I don't know what to do. But what I do know is that my wife is in pain. And this, like, this baby, this waiting period, like, has to stop. Like, we need to make this thing happen. And so finally, we, we actually, at the end of that night, um, went ahead and, and asked for an epidural to kind of allow her body to, to, to do its thing and to, and to relax a little bit into this. And that was finally the thing that helped kind of do the trick to allow her to get a little bit of rest, um, to, to gear up for the push. And so finally, we get to—so um, we, to, we checked in on Friday, right? We checked in Friday night, no baby. We, we go all the way through Saturday, no baby. We get to Sunday, we go all the way through Sunday and finally do the epidural. And we get to Sunday morning and, and finally— Monday morning, sorry. Monday morning uh, at about 7.30 in the morning. Finally, at long last. I mean, you all know this story, right? Because Emma's sitting right over there. Like, she's, she's here, right? So she was born. And like, praise God. I mean, we had the scripture a couple of weeks ago, right? Of, of weeping may come in the night, but joy comes in the morning. This was joy. And we were so excited to welcome Emma into the world. But my goodness, we waited a long time. Not just nine months, but nine months and two weeks and three days. Before Emma showed up, and she's been just a source of joy and life and light um, ever since. And so, Emma, we're really glad that you're here, (laughs) even though it took a long time. And so through that time, through that time of waiting, through that time of asking how long, I, I just, I wonder if any of you can relate to that story. I wonder if any of you have waited and waited and waited for God to do something, but received seemingly no answer. I wonder if you've ever asked God how long? Oh Lord, how long? We're not very good about waiting generally, are we? One of the things I love about Scripture and, and particularly about the Psalms is it's we've talked about this a little bit throughout this series. It's it's the Hebrew prayer book. It's it's the it's the prayer book of the of the Old Testament, right? It's it's the worship it's the worship book. Um, it's full of songs and hymns and spiritual songs and prayers. To God, And it's not afraid, the writers of, of the psalms are not afraid to express to God their frustration. I mean, there's, of course, there's a lot of praise and there's a lot of other things too, right? But there's a lot of grief. There's a, lot of, there's a whole category of psalms called lament. And that's the one that we're going to look at today in Psalm 13. Lament is, is, a, is a complaint to God, saying, God, what, what is going on? Where are you? And one of the things I love about the Psalms is it gives us permission to pray like that. It gives us permission to ask God difficult questions because it gives us the words to use. If we don't have them ourselves, we can read them right out of Scripture. The thing that's interesting about that is so much of the Psalms is full of lament. And yet when we come to worship we, don't, we often sing psalms of praise, which we should sing, right? And, and you recognize, as, as you read more scripture, you recognize verses from songs that we know that we sing together in church, right? But a lot of times we don't get a, a, a good representation of, of everything that's in this book in terms of just the sheer number of complaints that the psalmists are willing to voice to God. Uh, scholars say that anywhere between a third to a half to two-thirds even, depending on who you read, of the book of Psalms are psalms of lament. Asking God, what is going on? Asking for God's presence. Asking God, why am I in this place and where are you through this? We don't sing about those kinds of things very often, do we? Even though scripture is full of it. I read an article this week about uh, somebody who had, this actually was from 2021, but it just kind of made the rounds on social media this week. Um, from a, a, a person named Craig Greenfeld, who's a pastor, um, he wrote this blog and he, he quoted Old Testament scholar Michael Rhodes, who who tweeted. A, 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 he had done this research about the top twenty-five Christian worship songs. And again, this is from, from last year, from September of twenty-one, two thousand twenty-one. He said he says kind of came away with these these points of, of of research after he after he looked at these top twenty-five worship songs. He said justice is mentioned only one time in one of the top twenty-five songs. In contrast, the Hebrew word for justice, mishpat, is found 65 times in 33 different psalms, but we don't sing a lot about justice. The poor are completely absent in the top 25, but if you read through the book of Psalms, there's almost every page you can read something about the poor and the disenfranchised. The widow, the refugees, the oppressed, uh, completely absent from the top 25 most popular Christian worship songs uh, the orphan gets two mentions, but it's, it's kind of about a, being a spiritual orphan. Um, enemies are the third most common character in the Psalms, uh, next to God and us, uh, but they rarely show up in the top 25. And then here's the last thing he says. That in the top 25, not a single question, the top 25 Christian worship songs as of September 2021, not a single question is posed to God. Not one. And so we are missing out on so much richness, so much so much depth. I mean, there's so much through these psalms. Like I said, I, from a third to two-thirds of the psalms are about lament and complaint. And they're, they're about when things don't go the way that we want them to. And I think sometimes we, we come to church and we get all excited and we, we should because God is good. And that's why we come here, to hear that word and to, be, to remember who God is and what God has done. But I think sometimes it almost feels like we're not allowed to lament here. Like we have to walk in the door and we have to kind of pull ourselves up and, and get into good shape to, to go worship God because it's, here we go to the party, right? And I have to pretend like everything is, is good and everything is okay. When maybe it's just not. Maybe life is not okay right now. Maybe we're wondering where is God in the middle of this? And the Psalms voice that, but we don't always get a chance to sing it. And maybe, um, again, maybe you're at a place this morning where you don't feel this, uh, this lament, but, but know that there, there are a lot of people in this room who do, and there are a lot of people who join us. There are a lot of people that you run into every day when we leave this place who are in a season of lament. And so part of the, the, part of the walk, the journey of walking with Jesus is to participate in Jesus' sufferings as well as... His resurrection to participate in the joys as well as the sorrows, because that's what Jesus did for us, right? So it's our chance to, to enter into the suffering, to have solidarity with the suffering. So even if you're not suffering, this morning as we read through the laments that we're going to read, know that someone you know is, and maybe this will give you some ability to walk alongside them and support them through it, because that's what we are as a church. We're, we're a family. And we grieve with one another when we grieve. We cry with one another when we cry. And we celebrate with one another when we're celebrating, right? That's what a family does. Listen to these uh, laments from, from the book of Psalms. Psalm 83, verse 1. Oh God, do not remain silent. Don't turn a deaf ear. Psalm 86, verse 1. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I'm poor and needy. Listen to my cry for mercy. Psalm 6 says, My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? How long? I'm worn out from all my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping. I drench my couch or my pillow with tears. Listen to this lament. This this one is really something. Psalm 88 says this. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night, I cry out to you. I'm overwhelmed with troubles. My life draws near to death. You've taken from me my closest friends. I'm confined and I cannot escape. I call to you, Lord, every day. I call to you for help. Why do you reject me and hide your face from me? Listen to the end of this psalm. He says, From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I've borne your terrors. I am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor, darkness is my closest friend. And that's where that psalm ends. Darkness is my closest friend. And I, I, I want to mention that this morning to let you know that these psalms have words for us when we feel like we don't have the words to pray. We can say difficult things to God God knows, and God can handle our grief and our difficult questions. And not every psalm ends with light and life and praise. Sometimes in some seasons of life, we are just meant to sit in the difficulty and ask for God's presence in it. Darkness is my closest friend and that's the last word. Well, we know if you keep reading the book, right? Darkness is not the end and we're going to hear more about that this morning. So this morning, our focus is going to be Psalm 13. And so I invite you to stand for in honor of the reading of God's word this morning as we read Psalm 13. Psalm of David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Friends, this is the word of God for us, God's people. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Memory and, and remembering are a big deal <laughs> in the lives of the people of God. Uh, there's, there's really an echo here of, of the covenant that God made with God's people Israel. I will be your God and you will be my people. God will not forget us. God, in, in Genesis chapter 15, read that this week. This is a crazy story. I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, the crazy story of God making a covenant, the first covenant with Abraham, where he says, I'm going to make of you many nations and the whole world will be blessed through you. What God does in, in that covenant, God takes an animal, a couple of animals, has them be broken apart, right, like, like torn apart and God passes through them as a sign of God's faithfulness to the promise that God had made. And what that was saying by God passing through those animals was to say, if I fail to uphold my end of the bargain, if I fail to be faithful and to make of you many nations and, and to bless the world through you, to, for you to be a blessing, if I fail to do that, may the same happen to me that happened to this animal. That's the strength behind that covenant that God made with Abraham. A little bit later in Exodus, God makes a covenant with with the people of God that that, that are being saved out of Egypt and says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And it's the same kind of deal. When God makes a promise, God keeps it. Amen? Amen. And we see how the the, the people of, of Israel are led out of slavery and into the promised land. God kept that promise, but I wonder how many times along the way that the people of Israel, maybe it's even especially as they're wandering in the wilderness for how long? 40 years, right? 40 years. That's like an entire generation. Some of those people who were led out of slavery in Egypt wandered in the desert for 40 years and maybe didn't even make it to see the promised land. How many times do you think they asked, how long? God, how long do we have to wait? Where are you? You told us you were going to be faithful. You told us you would be with us. You told us you would lead us to the promised land. How long, O oh Lord, before we get there? I wonder how many of you have been in a season of wilderness and wandering and waiting and longing for God to do something. Have you ever felt like God has forgotten you? You're in good company in the Psalms. How long will you hide your face from me, it says. that that God's face is considered a source of of God's blessing. Um, We read in in Numbers chapter 6 the priestly blessing that, that Aaron at that time would give to the people of God every time after they had met for worship or whatever. He would bless them by saying, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance. What that means is may God literally turn his face toward you and give you Peace. That was the blessing that, that God's people were given every time they would gather. Just a reminder that God's face and God's blessing goes with us. And I wonder here when it says, how long will you hide your face from me? It's like God forgot all of those blessings that God had promised. That's how the psalmist is feeling at the time. How long must I wrestle, verse 2, with my thoughts? Day after day of have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? And here the enemy is, is probably a literal enemy. A lot of us maybe, I don't know, maybe we do have literal enemies. But it could also be whatever it is that we struggle with, right? How long will we struggle with this? How long will there be family strife and difficulty? How long will there be broken relationships in my family? How, how long will, will I experience the spiritual distance from, from God? How, how long am I going to continue to struggle with addiction or whatever it is that I struggle with, how long is that gonna happen? That's not the kind of stuff that we write songs about, right? Like Bono said this one time, you too, he was talking about the, 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 the Psalter and how rich it is at expressing the reality of human experience. How come we don't have any songs about difficult marriages? We know those exist, right? Well, we don't sing about that. That's not really the stuff about singing. But I wonder... How much our time together, how much our life together, our, our walk with Jesus might be enhanced if we felt a little more free to express our longings for God to be present in our difficulties? How long must I wrestle, and have sorrow in my heart?" And then verse three, David says, "Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Can you imagine like looking at, <laughs> like calling God out like that? "Look at me, answer me." Like, it sounds like you're talking to a toddler, right? And yet David feels free because of the relationship that David has. David being a man after God's own heart, recognizing that God's promises are true. David feels okay calling God out and saying, God, where are you? Like, look at me. Give me an answer. You're the one who said, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. You're the one who said, I'm going to lead you to the promised land. You're the one who said, I'm going to be your God, and you'll be my people. And yet, there's these enemies all around us. I don't even know where to go. I'm being chased by the king who wants to kill me. He's got 3,000 soldiers coming with him. Like, this is the circumstances that David found himself in, right? The circumstances we find ourselves in sometimes, right? We're up against enemies, sometimes literal, sometimes uh, circumstantial. And we go, God, where are you? Like you? Did you not promise to be with me? Where are you? Look at me. God, answer me. Give light to my eyes or I'll sleep in death. This almost feels like he has really no other recourse, no other choice, but to be bold and call out in desperation. God, if you don't answer me, I'm going to die. Psalm uh, 44, verse 23 says, Wake up, God. Why are you sleeping? And again, I keep mentioning these other scriptures because I feel like we need permission to say like, no, no, actually, these are some words that I have felt before. These are some stirrings that I have experienced in my soul, and it's okay to say those back to God in prayer, right? It's okay to ask God, what about those promises that you made? What about that thing that I thought you told me you were going to do in my life? Where is it? Like, I don't see it. Where is it? Wake up. Are you sleeping, God? Where are you? Look at me. Answer me. It's okay to ask God those questions. God can handle it. And God is faithful to hear our prayers. Have you ever wanted to yell at God like that? I gotta tell you, it feels a little, like, I, like, even as I said that, like, just now I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> We're all here worshiping. Like, it's okay, right? But no, like, it's there, man. Like, you can do that. You can talk to God like that. Because God made the promises first. Crying out, it it's, it's a, seems like out of profound anxiety in the psalm that we read here. It's not even, like there are some psalms, like Psalm 51 we, we read several weeks ago, talking about confessing our sins because sometimes it's our sin that gets in the way of a relationship with God. This, this, this psalm doesn't have any of that. <laughs> right? There's, there's, no, there's no recognition of sinfulness on the author's part that has gotten in the way. It's just the the circumstances of, of life. How long? And there's no answer given. It seems like it might be forever. It might be long enough to make someone die. I think sometimes what we learn from this scripture today is that sometimes the questions not only are they okay; they're they're enough. Sometimes the questions are enough. It's enough to bring ourselves to God and ask honestly, "What is going on? Where are you?" The Psalms give us permission to pray this way, and I think the church could, could we could learn something about how to lament. We read if you read the story of Job; um, his friends show up. Job is a guy who like had everything, lost it and then found himself going, what in the world? And his friends showed up, and the first thing they did is they sat with him for like a week. They didn't do anything. They just sat with him and said, man, that, this must be hard. I feel like that's one of the best responses we can give as followers of Jesus, to just show up for people in difficult circumstances and say, this must be hard. You don't have to have all the words. You just have to show up. And that's what God promises to do with us as well. We don't have to have the right words to pray. We don't have to sing the right songs. We, we just need to show up to, God's, to God who, whose presence is always with us through the Holy Spirit. I love the song uh, Reason to Sing that we sang earlier. Um, The story behind that song, All Sons and Daughters, I don't know if you've listened to much of their stuff, but I know we've sung it in here in in worship together. If you haven't, like, pretty much everything they do is fantastic. Uh, And a lot of times they provide these commentaries that go along with the songs that tell you kind of where the song came from and how they came up with it and what did it it mean to them as they were writing. Um, They were here, actually, several years ago in the sanctuary and and came and led us in a, in a, uh, a service of worship. It was amazing and beautiful. They talked about this song, I, I, I Need a Reason to Sing, because they wrote it several years ago out of a place of, of brokenness and, and wondering where is God in the midst of what was going on in their, in their particular um, community. And, and they said, you know, as they talked about it, they said sometimes it, it's, it's good to be, to be able to express the complete awareness of our desperation and our need for God. And, and, and when life happens Sometimes it's, it's, it's not just as simple as singing a song of praise. It's tougher to sing about the stuff that we don't understand. Sometimes we need to admit that we just don't know what in the world is going on and we hope that God does because <laughs> as a lot of us sang as kids, he's got the whole world in his hands, right? Sometimes we just have to resort to that and go, I don't know what's going on, but I know that you've got this. the pieces seem too shattered to gather off the floor and all that seems to matter is I don't feel you anymore. When I'm overcome by fear and I hate everything I know, if this waiting lasts forever, I'm afraid I might let go. I need a reason to sing. I need to know that you're still holding the whole world in your hands. I need a reason. if we keep reading in, in this psalm, we find that the psalmist uh, eventually gets to that place because things take a turn at verse five. Verse five says this, but I trust, so after saying, how long, Lord, where are you? Are you gonna forget me forever? Why have you turned your face? Why are you not willing to bless me? Where are you? Wake up, where are you? Gets to this place. It says, But I trust in your unfailing love. I trust. That's a, that's a present tense saying, if you look at the NIV translation, I trust even though the world is falling apart. I trust even though I don't see you. I trust even though I don't feel you. I trust even though I don't hear from you right now. I trust even though I can't see a way out of this. And I hope you can. Wake up and show me. I trust because I know that you are a God who keeps his promises. And I actively trust and keep trusting even when the situations don't warrant it because things have looked bad before and God has still been faithful. Amen? So, verse six, he says, "I will sing the Lord's praise, for He has been good to me." And I love that line: "I will sing, or I shall sing." It's it's almost like a recognition that I know God's going to do something, and there will come a time. You might not feel it right now, but there will come a time when I will sing about this. Singing is one of the most beautiful things we do as the body of Christ to worship together. And I don't know about you, but there are many times when I sit in this room or that sanctuary or anywhere else uh, when I hear worship music that I can't sing those words. Have you ever experienced that? And that's okay too. Because when we gather, that's (laughs) that's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ. When we gather, you just have to be present. Where two or three are gathered, Jesus says, there am I in the midst of them. And so sometimes, We need people to sing when we don't have the words. It's one of the reasons I love to to help people uh, to to lead worship through a funeral because we're literally, in in the midst of a funeral, we are literally singing into the face of death saying, this is not the end. Amen? This is not the end. I will sing the Lord's praise for God has been good to me how long do we sing with one another? We sing for those who can't sing for themselves and we do it until they can sing for themselves. I love this. There's, there's a turn during that song too. Um, there's a reason to sing. All of a sudden the, the chorus changes from I need a reason to sing to will there be a victory? It's almost like you can hear that there's a, there's a, melodical shift, there's a melodic shift as well and it's like this, this slight like hope, right? Will there be a victory? Will you sing it over me? Your peace is the melody. You sing it over me now. I love that. It's like this this tension between I'm feeling this, but I'm knowing that you are good. I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling disconnected. I'm feeling like I have no earthly reason to sing, and yet you hold the whole world in your hands. You sing your peace over me, even in the midst of, and especially in the midst of these difficult circumstances. There's a confidence there that that God will show up and God will make things right. God will be with us through it. Jesus knew the Psalms well. (laughs) He lived them and he prayed them and he sang them. And he himself, Jesus, God's son, entered into the world because of exactly what we're talking about this morning because of the how long. Jesus is the answer to the how long, oh Lord. You know, they waited 400 years between the last prophet that spoke about the coming of a Messiah and when Jesus was actually born. That is a long time. None of us are gonna live that long, right? 400 years they waited and asked, how long, God, before you're gonna do something? How long before you're gonna make good on those promises that you made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? How long, Lord, how long? And Jesus was the answer 400 years later. And here we are 2,000 years later, right? Still asking the same question. God, how long? Wake up. Did you forget about us? Where are you? And Jesus is still the answer to that question. Amen? Jesus is still the answer to that question. Listen to these words that Jesus spoke from, from the cross. Psalm 22 starts like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Cry out day by day, but you don't answer. By night, and I find no rest. Jesus prayed the Psalms in the moment of his death. Keep reading in Psalm 22, verse 17. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them, cast lots for my garments. And then, <laughs> and then there's a turn. Turn. Just like we saw at verse 5 of Psalm 13. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him, all you descendants of Jacob. Honor him, revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one, he has not hidden his face. Him, but he has listened to his cry for help. The poor will eat and be satisfied, those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of all the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over all the nations. All the earth, all the rich of the earth, will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who can't keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, He has done it. That's how that psalm ends. A psalm that starts off with Jesus from the cross saying, My God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? These people are piercing my bones. Where are you? And it ends by saying, You know what? You are here and you are faithful and you have made the promise be with us always and I know you're going to make good on that promise and I know that people are going to tell their descendants from age to age generation to generation about God's goodness we will praise the name of the Lord because God has been good to us amen 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 that last verse Psalm 22 verse 31 they proclaim his righteousness declaring to a people yet unborn he has done it he has done it The Hebrew behind that is is the same word for it has been accomplished or what Jesus also said from the cross, it is finished. So Jesus cried out, my God, where are you? Even at the same time knowing that it is finished. God has accomplished his purpose through Christ our Lord. Jesus knows what it feels like to cry out how long also knows about God's faithfulness, God's never-ending love. He also knows that we can sing the Lord's praise because the Lord has been good to us. And those ideas, the, the, the idea of how long and, and singing God's praise, that, that juxtaposition is what it means to be a Christian. It's what it means to follow the crucified Christ, right? We, we don't get to resurrection without first going through the crucifixion. We don't get to joy everlasting without first going through suffering unimaginable. We participate, as the Apostle Paul said, not only in the glory of the resurrection, but in the sufferings of Christ as well. We do that by being present for one another, and especially as those we know and love are crying out, where are you? God, sometimes it's gonna take one of us to come alongside and, and say, hey, I don't see God in this right now either, but I know that God is here. And I know that God is faithful. Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. It means to, be, to, to, to know that it can't all be Easter Sunday. It has to, we have to go through Good Friday first. And so I pray that uh, this week, that God will give you opportunities. If you are a person who is in that Good Friday of Holy Week, if you're a person who is shouting, how long, Lord? I pray that God will send someone to be with you, to remind you of God's great faithfulness. And if you're somebody who came in here this morning with both hands raised in praise because God has been so good and you just can't help but overflow in praise, I hope that you'll know that God is with you in that praise and God might be inviting you to share that story. With somebody who's saying how long, oh lord. Because oftentimes we're both <laughs> oftentimes we're saying how long and we're saying praise god all at the same time. Just like Jesus did with his life. And so as I close we're, we're going to sing again and I want to invite you to know that wherever you are on that that spectrum from how long to praise god, know that it's it's not really a spectrum, that's just life so in the first part of this song, if you're feeling like you're sitting in that how long, just let yourself feel it. Let yourself acknowledge it. Let yourself know and give yourself permission to be okay with not having the answers, but to know that God is faithful and God does have the answers and God does have the whole world in his hands. And maybe one day, maybe not this morning, maybe not today, maybe not this week, maybe not this year, one day you will be able to sing again because God is faithful and God keeps his promises. Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks that it gives us words when we don't have them. We give you thanks for the lives of the saints who went before us and who wrote down their stories, who wrote down their prayers, who wrote down their songs so that we might come alongside them Share in that story. Participate in that coming of your word made flesh, that coming of your kingdom as as made manifest through Jesus, God's Son, who came into the suffering, who didn't didn't forego it, who didn't put it aside, but rather stepped into it and, and saw through it and saw through the suffering to the glory that was awaiting him. Jesus, who who entered into the sin of the world in order that that sin might be redeemed and made whole, entered into the darkness in order that there might be light, entered even into death so that there might be resurrection. God, if there's anybody here this morning or anybody who hears the, the, the sound of my voice right now in this prayer who wants to know you deeper, Lord, give them courage to reach out. God, if any of us who are hearing this right now uh, know someone who is asking how long and why and where is Jesus, may we have the courage to reach out and say, let me tell you about what the Lord has done in my life or let me introduce you to someone else and, and, and have them share their story about what the Lord has done in their life in order that you might one day be able to do the same thing and say, look at what God has done for me. God, give us ears to hear Give us eyes to see. Give us hearts to respond to your invitation to be with others through the how long and to sing with others because you have done so much good in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. As we sing and conclude in worship this morning, Lord, speak to us in the way that only you can. Pierce our hearts with the word of God, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ himself, in order that we might know more, in order that we might be able to participate more fully, not only in his glorious resurrection, but in his suffering, so that that resurrection might be even sweeter, and that even more people might come to know him. We pray all this in Christ's name.